This is Moon Knighting, brought to you by Gathering of the Geeks. We are Vengeance, we are Justice, we are Mark Spector, we are Stephen Grant, we are Jake Lockley. We hope that our meds kick in so that we are only one person at a time. I'm Emmett, and I'm joined by the Ted Lasso to my coach Beard, Chris Evans. Chris, how are you today? I am fantastic. How are you? Outstanding, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and we are joined by the man from tomorrow, Aaron Cajanto. Aaron, how are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow is actually good. I'm doing all right, actually. How you guys doing? How you doing, Emmett? Yeah, uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, I'm glad to be back talking another episode of Moon Knight. Um, but before we get into that, um, Gathering of the Geeks can be found on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Gathering of the Geeks and you will find it. So, guys, um, episode before five. we get yeah, before oh, sorry before there. we before we get into this, um, right. I missed I missed the uh, last Gathering of the Geeks um, video uh, live. Thing, but I actually caught the podcast. Uh, Emma, I hope your wife's doing well and a lot better. And um, I just want to back up everything that you said at the start of that. You know, if you have loved ones, give them a hug, tell them that you love you, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I really hope your wife's doing well now. So just want to send my best best wishes from tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) It all it all matters. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Okay, guys. So we've we've seen the penultimate episode of Moon Knight Asylum. Before we get into that episode, I think we should go back a little bit because when we talked about episode four, The Tomb, we could have talked, well, we did talk for, I think it was an hour and 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how long the episode was. We could have talked for another half an hour because we missed a whole bunch of stuff talking uh, in the asylum specifically. We could have kept going on and on and on. So let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, and I think that'll help for what we're going to be getting into for episode five. So episode four, Chris, the, the, and let's stick mo- straight up to the asylum. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some stuff that we missed, maybe some stuff that you noticed, um, ha- that you thought about over the last little while. Um, wh- where's your head at uh, with episode four? So after watching five, four to me is even more confusing than I thought it was. Because I thought I kind of had four figured out just because I've read the Lemire run. You know, I was like, oh, I know what this is. (laughs) This is cool. Um, I don't. I know nothing. I've realized that now. So one of the things that stood out to me uh, going back to it is just the way that it's handled. And it's meant to be kind of like a shock, of course. But also it's easing us in for what's to come. Like you thought that was the weird. That was not the weird. You get that full on in five. Because so that was one of the things that stuck out to me when I think back to it. Like, we thought we had it. We didn't. Aaron, what about you? What, what are some of your, um, you know, even new thoughts that you've had about episode four since uh, since you watched it? Yeah, that um, the turning point changed. Most of the time you see a movie and you have that the turning point in that, that third act. It's like, okay, they're, they're going to try and propel us to wrapping this whole thing up, you know. Come some come to some sort of conclusion. Two episodes to go makes a bit of sense, gives us a bit of time to wrap everything up. But when they did that turning point of uh, the asylum coming into it, like Mark getting shot, it's just it just put more layers upon questions that I have for this show. <laughs> it's just like, um, yeah. And then you obviously when we get into five, then obviously you watch five. But yeah, that that turning point of him dying and going into the asylum. At the start of the asylum scene, I was like, okay, um, they're, they're normalizing it. This is the asylum. You see all the people there. Cool. All right. But then obviously when he escapes, 
and everything gets a bit more weird the more questions get on top of that but then five kicks into a gear and there's more questions on top of that as well so i thought i had a handle on it but as soon as he escaped and everything started tilting and a hippo appeared then i'm like i have no idea what is happening and what is going on and then yeah watch five and more questions on top of that yeah when they throw so many hints into that you know that yeah i think it's about 25 maybe a half hour in the asylum that we didn't talk about um you know we, we did talk about the bingo card but we skipped over some of the uh, some of the drawings that were happening. There was that one where somebody was drawing a bird um, that had the head of Conchu. That was the lady that he made the date with. Was, oh, that who's that? That's who that was. That was the lady ah. he made the date with. She was drawing Conchu. <laughs> Everybody we've seen was in that asylum. But it's crazy how, like, what happened just then with Emmett, and you know, you blink and you miss something. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like there's something that. You're too busy concentrating on a picture to even notice the person. You know, what I mean? mm-hmm. like, oh, that's Conchu. You know, and if you don't go back for a rewatch, you know, <laughs> you're just going to be lost as hell. But the rewatch helps more. But yeah, you got to do your homework with this show. Yeah, <laughs> and more and and like real homework, like like real history, like not just reading a comic book homework. Um, like we were talking about um, last episode with the the tomb of Alexander the Great. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that was a thing, and it, you know, Chris, you looked it up as we were talking about it. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's stuff in this in episode five that is also the same, like the Egyptian underworld, um, that kind of thing, and like going to the field of reeds and all that kind of stuff. Like that, that's that's a thing. Again, I didn't know about. It. I actually looked it up today. I didn't want to be as stupid as I was last week when mentioning. Oh, I know nothing about the tomb of <laughs> Alexander the Great. So yeah, I looked it up a little bit. So so it does help to do homework, and it does help to to watch the show more than once because there is so much packed into it. Um, and it's good, and you know, and it's great. It's you know just to, just to watch it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, episode you five got... was harder to watch than yeah. all the other ones. Uh, rewatch for sure. You know, you do your research for ancient Egypt and all that kind of stuff. That's one layer, but then you got to put the layer of DID on top of that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, some sort of you don't have a like have a real big understanding, but you got to have some sort of sort of fundamental idea of what he's going through in terms of that split personality. And then you get yeah, with episode five you know, focus a little bit more on that DID and, you know, the evolution of how it became. And then you're introducing trauma on top of that as well, like childhood trauma and all that. And then ancient Egypt, while all this is just flowing together as this, as this whole series is going, you know, it's just, yeah, rewatching is a must. And I don't do it out of, I like just for the podcast itself and out of pure joy, you know, I do it for my, <laughs> what just happened and I've got to rewatch this again. So I just keep up with everything that's thing. I just like watching it again. It makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So usually when we do our um, um, reviews for the show, we kind of do it step by step. We do it scene by scene, start to the end. This one for episode five is a little bit different because of a lot of the the jumping that it does. Um, We get the stuff on the boat with um, uh, Tauret and them going to in in the into the underworld. We get Mark and Stephen in the uh, office with Doctor Harrow. And then we get Mark and Stephen um, going through the asylum, you know, going through doors and going into the uh, Mark's memories and Stephen's memories. So doing it one by one isn't gonna isn't gonna work uh, for this episode, guys. So I'm gonna leave it up to whoever wants to go first. Where do you guys want to start? Because there's a lot of stuff that happens. There's a big thing that we realize and something we've been asking ourselves for the last um, four episodes is is uh, whose body is it? Um, who was the original? We find that out in this episode. So that we find a lot out 
and there's still more confusing stuff. So where, how do you guys want to start? Where, where do you want to start with this one? This is my main concern. <laughs> when I was like, <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie, but this was my main concern. Like mm-hmm. after watching it a few times, even last, I watched it last night in preparation again for the show and obviously for my own enjoyment and my family was at the house and all that. But I'm just sitting there going, where do you even start with something like this? You've got the layers that have just been placed on top of it, like what you've just mentioned, Emmett, you have all those, but then that within those layers are more layers that you can even talk about. You have your past history, which was really well told. Um, Cause I always thought to myself, how are they going to tell the past and what happened with um, Mark and all that kind of stuff and, and going through the afterlife and having to balance the scale and then having to do that was great. But then you have the, the character depth on top of that, that needs to be obviously defined and the part as well on top of that. So um, I was basically going to leave that decision for Chris. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, so where I want to start is the not the hippo in the room because we we've addressed the hippo already. We've seen her. Mm-hmm. We know who she is. We've, we've addressed the hippo in the room. You know, <laughs> I think for the last two episodes, I think a lot of us have been saying, "Where is Jake? Where mm-hmm. is this? Where Jake's coming? <gasps> There's like, is that Jake? And we got let down. I believe we have met Jake." Mm. So I, I believe it's the first time we see Oscar Isaac with um, Harrow. There is a version of him sitting with kind of like a broken nose or something. He's got an injury to his nose. And mm-hmm. the way his facial expression is, is different. His mouth is more like a frown, frowny kind of face. Mm-hmm. And he speaks a little differently and he seems a little bit more unhinged. He, you know, he stands up. I feel a lot better. Really good. Really good. Or whatever. And then he tries to stab his own eyeball. Mm-hmm. Then, and, and this is why I'm thinking we've met Jake. So we see this, and then the show makes it a point to show definitely Mark with Harrow and definitely Stephen with Harrow. And another reason I think this could be Jake is following the, what I think is Jake, the second time we see The Office with Oscar Isaac in it, he's realizing his nose is no longer injured. And if we go back to the Lemire run, because that's what we do, <laughs> Jake had the nose injury in the Lemire run. He had the bandage over his nose for parts of it. That might be a stretch, but still, I think we've finally met Jake. And Jake is crazy. That's where I wanted to start. Okay, so sticking with that, it's if if it is Jake and if, if this is the way they're doing it, and Chris, you and I talked about this, I think it was yesterday, how subtle they're being about mm-hmm. it. Um, what we think, or I don't know, in the last episode, we see the, the sarcophagus that is standing up and it's moving and they kind of pass on by it. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no teases like that in this episode. There's no name drops of any kind. Um, so if that is the if this is the way that they're teasing it very subtly, I think, is this the right way to do it? Is this good for you? Is it good for Aaron, you as well? Like, do you like the way that they're doing this? If it is the way that they're going to introduce Jake. Uh, I thought it was Jake as well, just because of pure mannerisms. Um, mm-hmm. And um, the way he spoke, he had that, like parts of it was that real New Yorker kind of twang as well, which you didn't yeah. hear from Mark. And obviously Stephen's obviously British. Especially when he starts and, yelling. Yeah, when he stands up and he's like, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm like, I can't even do it. I'm sorry. Chris, you're better at accents than me. Uh, <laughs> better? Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but the the main giveaway for me was when he did grab the pyramid and he started to get ultra violent you know he's like right i'm ready you know um i'm getting agitated here where i didn't you don't really mark seems to be a bit more calculated with his feelings like holding calculated and well we know steven it clearly wasn't steven so I, i believe that was mark and i found that the same thing as you chris when um watching it the second time, oh, there's Mark and there's Stephen and there's Jake. There's the three of them. Mm-hmm. Now, deeper thought with all this, right, we've got, if we're looking at this, we've got two sort of linear stories happening concurrently. Um, you've got the the boot, the death, and then you have what I, what I'm in essence for me right now is kind of like the real world sort of evaluation where, you know, even Ethan Hawke's like, is it sense or is it nonsense? So you've got this real world situation with an actual psychiatrist trying to get things out of Mark. And then you have this other sort of narrative of the death of the two characters. Now, going back to your question, Emmett, where you had with the sarcophagus, Jake's sarcophagus, which I'm going to go with, the one standing up. It's not out yet, but that was in a different narrative. That was in the death narrative. So when it's just Stephen and Mark going through that kind of world, to see Jake appear in the real world narrative kind of made sense to me, um, that he was not involved in the death one, mainly because Mark and Stephen probably aren't aware of that character which arthur has pulled out within the real world narrative i'm hoping that all just made sense but yeah you got two different stories happening and then you've got to try and figure out the worlds that they're in and who are the players in that world so ethan hawk in this is for me is a very vital player in this episode for what he was trying to say and what he tries to get across and what he tries to pull out because it very when you go to cut to the scenes of Ethan Hawke and what he's trying to achieve to get out of Stephen, it kind of leads into the scene within the the other realm, the death realm kind of thing. Like what Arthur wants to pull out, we kind of then experience sort of thing. So which has me obviously questioning more of what is what and what is real and what is not. So that's how I kind of segregated that sort of linear storytelling between these two worlds. So with Jake appearing kind of made sense to me in that world. Was that too deep? So, <laughs> no, no that, well, th- this episode is deep. So you, you mentioned the, the, the real worlds. Um, so a note I have written down here is did episode five help or hurt telling you guys what is real? We, we get to see a lot of Mark stuff. You know, we, we get to see Mark's origin story. Mm-hmm. We get to see Stephen's origin story. So we're getting a sense of what we think actually happened. Because, like, uh, Mark's mom died. Um, Mark, and then he tells his father, or he, we see him in uh, being a mercenary. We see him dying. We see him going to the, um, you know, the feet of Conchu. So we're all telling ourselves that that stuff actually happened. Um, because it's in, you know, Mark's origin story. But then we're still getting the asylum stuff, and they mention it with uh, Talaret's kind of explaining it to them, and Mark is, is coming to a realization of where they actually are. So did this did this episode help or hurt you guys in telling the viewer what is real and what is not real? I actually thought this made things more confusing and blurred the lines more. Mm-hmm. And this is 
I've thoroughly enjoyed every episode, including this one. But this episode is the most mixed to me. Not in a bad way. It's just I feel a certain way about aspects of this episode. Because now I think they've... Maybe this should be what I, what we say at the end of this, or what I should say. But I feel like they've positioned it where that finale better hit. Yeah. That's this one... Okay, I guess that's what it is. The other episodes felt more contained in a way. Like you could watch them. Okay, that was awesome. I can't wait for the next one. Whereas this one, you watch and it's like, I need the next one to understand this. And that's kind of where I'm at. And that's one of my issues with it. Because I, it's just more confusing. And, you know, you go back to the first episode. And, it, and I'm not letting this go, by the way. The little girl asks him, did it suck when you didn't get into the field of reeds? Mm-hmm. Why was that there? Was that just a throwaway line? Was that not real? You know, there there's certain things that just don't add up anymore. Even like when we get to the Steven stuff, there's a lot of questions now. So yeah, this one definitely added to the confusion where I wasn't really confused in four. In four, like I said, I thought I had a handle, but then you know, you also read the comic and you think you understand, and then you don't. You see space wolves. That's the thing, like the end of the last episode where you had the asylum scene, you're like, oh, they're doing the asylum scene. Then it all gets weird mm-hmm. in the end of that episode, the bow and then the hippo. Like it's still a linear, it's still a linear story going from something that we feel is real to then it goes weird. And at the end of that episode, I'm like, cool, it's weird. We're going to find out what's weird. This episode, we do find out why it's weird, but the stuff that the stuff that is confusing is the real world stuff that they implemented in it. Yes. Like that's the part of the story where it's like you're you're leaving me um, uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. not knowing. You literally like I thought I had a handle on it after four. I'm like this is weird, this is strange, but they're in the field, you know, they're on the jewel, and there's gonna they're gonna the next episode's gonna be on the jewel, and it starts off like that. But then when it goes to like the real world setting back to where Arthur was, really left me confused to the point where I'm very much like Chris, where it's like my my fear. Right now, is I hope they hit this ending. I hope they really hit this landing because the setup has been brilliant. You know, this is really I love being where I'm at right now. As a viewer, I'm really enjoying where I'm at. I'm like, I'm confused. I don't know what is real, what is not. Excellent. Please hit the landing. I think we're all in agreement then that everything is good. Everything has been good in all, in all of the episodes. Not everything in the episodes has been good, but we've liked all of them. But we pointed we pointed out, I think, over the the recording now five times that there's little things in each episode that if by the end of the season all of it doesn't like, all of it doesn't come back around, then I don't know if that's a, a black stain or a black mark on it. It'll be really interesting how they play it out. Um, but it, it you know it, it's interesting that we thought we were we were confused by the end of four, but we thought we knew what was happening because. The, the three of us had read the Lemire run. But when Chris and I talked about this, they're changing it. And just as like we've talked about in all of these uh, recordings so far, is like whenever somebody comes onto a Moon Knight run, they change the character just a little bit. And then that's what they're doing to this one as well. They're changing that, you know, the asylum, the, the Lemire stuff. Um, but they're keeping some of it, um, like that origin. Um, what do you, you guys, I want to go back to that where, you know, we get to, they, uh, I think it's Stephen and Mark, they both wake up in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, they were fighting. I can't remember what they were fighting. That's right. And they wake up in the desert. And um, Aaron, they they said the name. 
They, they said the name. They, they Bushman. said Bushman. Yeah. <laughs> you've, been, you've, been, you've been waiting for that. Uh, for, say the name. Five That's right. Um, and then, you know, we see Mark crawling up to the, you know, the, the feet of the statue and we get to hear Conchu's voice, which is uh, very cool. Um, you know, Conchu's still uh, locked away, imprisoned in the real world, I would like to say. Um, but how do you guys feel about the, how do you guys feel about the origin? You know, the straight up when we get to see the Moon Knight suit for, you know, 10 seconds. Um, how do you guys, how do you guys feel about the, uh, the origin that we get um, in, in, in episode five? We get the origin of Moon Knight in episode five of a six episode season. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> Um, you know, I like where it was placed actually because I think it's fitting. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is one of the things I've been waiting to see. And so, as soon as they got in the desert, I was like, "Oh, it's happening!" I heard Bushman, "Oh shit, it's coming!" <laughs> and, and then when you see him in the tomb, that was a mo. Well, I don't know what the, that's like a three minute sequence or some a mm -hmm. cinematic masterpiece in three minutes. <laughs> I got to see my boy Kanchu is back for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we did get to see the suit, but what was the highlight was the dialogue. We got to hear the iconic lines, be my fist of vengeance, the travelers of the night. You got to get all that, which we have not heard. I mean, in this episode, we did hear, I think Mark says it, travelers of the night. But to hear it come from Khonshu, amazing. Be my fist of vengeance, loved it. And then, of course, be we see that. that night. Yeah, that was kind of, I don't know, that was weird, but... <laughs> I don't, I, don't ever, I don't think he goes around, be my moon knight. I don't know about that. But we did we do get the cool visual of Mark like healing. The suit comes over him. Just glorious stuff, man. It's golden. I, I love that scene. It's That's probably one of my favorite scenes of the series when all said and done. It's such a surreal sort of moment because I'm so into the actual series that I, I, I tend to forget that these are two personas talking to each other. <laughs> like they're the personas of the same person and it's just like um so the dialogue between them is so good like and a whole crawling up at the um the feet of conchu like and oscar isaac as being you know shot he looks great you know as a mercenary <laughs> he looks really good oh, you know how, how beaten and bloodied he is his injuries are know. pretty intense for a disney yeah. show like i don't know if that was his there bone was showing in the arm or if that was just muscle tissue let's not forget this disney show he put a gun to his head he was ready to pull that trigger so <laughs> he was really to, he was ready to um, Conchu, get man. it over with yeah, and then and obviously Conchu comes in, and I like the way that Stephen said, you know, he's he manipulated you from the start, mm -hmm. and like, and Mark's just like, no, he he saved us, and like, you see that they're already the two personas are at a at a impasse, and like, it's so good because within the actual comics as well, it's it that that battle does exist, you know, where does Conchu? belong in the psyche of mark is he the good guy is he the bad guy is he a manipulator is what mark's doing helping everybody or is he just flat out murdering people it's, and that's the question that they raised within that when these two started fighting uh, like verbally but then obviously yeah get to see the suit again god i love that suit i'm gonna say it again i say it every episode i love that suit <laughs> i absolutely adore it and then nice when mark's eye oh my god when mark's eyes turn white and he get that the visual and it's, oh, not nah, loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was great, and I'm glad. I'm glad 
it happened the way it happened. Yeah. I'm glad that happened within the gym where they're going through memory by memory. Because I think like we said previously in the other episodes that there's a lot of dense history that, you know, we're wondering how they're going to cover it and, you know, how do they talk about his origin and all that. And obviously the way it happened in this episode, I think it was perfect. It was so different. That's why. It was so different to any other origin that I've ever seen and I loved every minute of it. I thought it was great. When you say different, do you mean because it was presented as a memory with Steve in there? Yeah. You have oh, like the the, separa- the, the that's, separation. That's the way it works. I wasn't sure. No, no, like you, like when you have your like when you have your for me when you have your normal superhero origin, generally it's at the start of the movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. or you know your Batman Begins or your Daredevils and all that kind of stuff is like literally at the start of the and then um, with this one, it was like literally the second to last episode. He's traveling to the fields of reeds on a death boat with a talking hippo, with his second persona, with his second persona, going through doors, very much like a villain Ted's bogus journey, you know? (laughs) I didn't didn't think of that. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) So, yeah. Mark Spector's bogus journey. Mark Spector's bogus journey. It was something refreshing. I like being – I don't like seeing the the norm. I like to be surprised, and this surprised me, and and I liked it. Yeah, I like the scene as well, and I like what Aaron said about the idea of Stephen – um, you know, feeling sorry for Mark. Um, you know, he he t- says Mark like, and you you said it, Aaron. Like he he manipulated you from the start. Um, and Mark even tr- and Mark tries to defend Conchu. And even in that scene where they're in like they go to the cafeteria or whatever, and those dead bodies are at the the tables, and Stephen's like, oh, I know whose room this is. Um, and it's kind of a light. And then you know, and Stephen says, oh, you know all these people. And Mark says, yeah, I know every single one. Um, you know, taking a life means something to Mark. He doesn't even, he, Mark doesn't like to do it. That, that's what I got in this sense is Mark doesn't like to, to be the fist of vengeance. He doesn't like to be Conchu's avatar. He doesn't like killing people. And I like the, takes it back to that scene at the, at the, the, the feet of Conchu, that he was manipulated into doing it. He still thinks he has to do it. And Conchu, you know, I, I assume just like Conchu berates Steven, I think Conchu berates and puts down Mark as well making Mark think that he has to do this stuff, um, make him, making him feel like he has a purpose. Um, I really like that stuff. And you know, we've said it all the whole time, but like in Oscar Isaac's acting, I think this is his best episode mm-hmm. um, for a lot of different reasons. He has like, he has three, I think it's like three or four scenes in this one episode where he's at the top of his game and there's emotion in every single thing that he does um, in that cafeteria scene, in the conscious scene. Um, and then, um, towards the end when he's leaving his mother's, uh, 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 his father waves him in to his mother's shiva and he, he leaves and he has a moment. So I, 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 I like that the scene exists. I just don't know about the placement. I, I, I like that it makes sense in, in this, but, you know, episode five of a six mm-hmm. episode series and we're just seeing how he became Moon Knight now. I, 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 and I think we talked about this in episode, when we talked about episode three, how about those first two episodes could have been one episode? Yeah. Or I think they could have they could have made the episode one or two one episode, and they could have got to the asylum faster. I'm not sure when we who said that, but they could have got to the asylum faster. They could have had this this origin story origin story faster because now we're talking about it. We're talking about episode six, and we're worried that they're not going to stick the landing because they have so much to do in episode six. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll get to that at the end when we talk about you know what what we expect and what we hope. But I do want to get to um, Dr. Harrow and Ethan Hawke being a nice guy. 
you know, and it, it it's it's really interesting how Ethan Hawke played Arthur Harrow all the way through. He's the way he's talking in episode one is exactly the same way that he's talking in episode five. But you feel different. I feel differently about what he's saying. I you know he's a villain in those first four three and a half episodes. Then when you get to episodes the last half of episode four and episode five, you you feel like he he actually cares. He cares about Mark and Stephen. He cares about. Um, like he says it a, a couple of times to when the orderlies come in and they grab him. He's saying, don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. You know, be gentle, be gentle. Um, you know, how do you guys feeling about Ethan Hawke and Dr. Harrow and the, the switch and the, the if there, if you guys think there's a switch in the acting, I don't, I think he's exactly the same person uh, in different contexts. And I think that's a really, really smart move. Yeah, he has the same, he definitely has the same demeanor on both sort of, uh, storylines, if we're like doing parallel sort of storyline to it. A couple of things that maybe question some of the parts of those scenes in the, what I'm going to call the Jake scene, he gets um, shot in the light with a needle. And then in the Mark scene, he was like, you hit me with a needle. And he's like, no, we don't do that. You watch too many movies, all that mm-hmm. kind of gear. So that had me a little bit of questioning. Like, okay, you within that section, you're still confusing me and all that kind of gear. But um, yeah, uh, his representation of Arthur, you know, if you're approaching someone that is mentally unstable, you've, you've got to have that calm persona. You know, you've got to be that one where they can feel relaxed. If you're relaxed, they're relaxed. And um, so even to the point where, like, Stephen was like, oh, my mum is like, okay, no, your mum's not dead. Um, we'll call her now and all this kind of stuff just mm-hmm. to relax him kind of gear. And um, I think it, <clears throat> Ethan Hawke's just owning it. And he's he's so it's the casting, and um, to the point where he can be the exact same sort of he can bring the exact same sort of persona for both worlds and still have me questioning what's real and what's not, even though you know it's very very similar in characteristics, other than the revolver coming out and you know plugging two into Mark. <laughs> but uh, once again, I just yeah, it's really good aim <laughs> for that. But before Chris talks about that, sorry, Emma, I just want to go back to that scene where they go into that room with all the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, just one thing that that stood out for me is that there was a guy in the wheelchair. I don't know if you noticed that one. Like nope. when you're talking to Stephen and when, when he's talking to Stephen and they're at the scales, if you have a look when they cut to, I think it's Mark, behind Mark is a dude sitting in a wheelchair that's dead. And I'm like, Mark actually plugged someone in a wheelchair. Mm. So mm. anyway, <laughs> so I'll cut you. Yeah. But yeah, as for Arthur and yeah, uh, what did you think, Chris? Before before Chris talks about Dr. Ar- uh, Dr. Harrell, in, ep- in our last episode, Chris, who did you say he looked like? Ned <laughs> <laughs> Flanders. And they, they called that out in this episode and I loved it. I couldn't stop smiling when I heard that. I've been texting with Feige, so you know that that's yeah. not ahead of all Script change. Yeah, I was like Feige, you, you do something fun here. I mean, he looks like, come on. Um, so the hero, I've liked Harold from the start. I think Ethan Hawke is really surprised me the most from this series, just because I didn't know what to expect from him, you know, and I didn't really have an expectation for him either. I was like, okay, it's Ethan Hawke. He's a good actor. They're going to make some magic together. Cool. But his performance just got it, it. Just from the first time we see him, you know, breaking the glass and filling his uh, his crock or whatever the hell it is, you know, it, it just really interesting stuff. 
And I think the thing about his hero is he's the same character, but he lets the costume do the work, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because like Aaron said, he's the same guy. So if you were to put the Ned Flanders look in episode two, when him and Steven are having the sit down, you would get the same idea from like, oh, he's trying to help. Mm-hmm. But you reverse it, no, he wants to destroy the world. And, you know, even um, when he pulls the trigger, he's very calm. There's no, like, rise in temper or anything. So to see him as Dr. Harrow is a cool switch because it works. You don't question it. What I do question is what's even real still. Just because, like, again, we see Jake or whatever getting the injection then that never happened, <laughs> you know? So that's curious, but I'm really loving what they do with Ethan Hawke, and it makes me hope even more that the finale is not just Harrow with Amit's head on it, like his body and an alligator head or a crocodile head. I don't want to see that. <laughs> Give me Ethan Hawke, because he is just great in this, in this series. Sorry, Emmett, I don't want to go back to it, but when you were saying um, how far you would learnt like an origin... Um, like how far into the series would you see it as a um, like for me when I was watching it it was more we were in the shoes of Stephen again mm-hmm. like once again this is like a Stephen origin say so Stephen's learning about this person and what, what they've been through and what they've gone through which is kind of like the character arc within that episode of obviously we know how this episode ends um, but it's more Stephen learning about who he actually is rather than how as weird as it's going to say uh, rather than how Moon Knight came to be it's more Stephen learning about Mark and and obviously what Mark had gone through in order to create Stephen in order for Stephen to find out that he was actually created to the ultimate penultimate ending of him at the end of the episode would that make a bit more sense within the placement of where you're at um, in terms of an origin, rather than looking at an origin for Mark, more looking at as, as the, 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 the ending of the arc of Stephen, of learning everything, if you know what I'm trying to get at. Well, and we've mentioned it before, like the, the, the viewer is Stephen Grant, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Stephen Grant is the, is the confused one. We are the confused one. The, the only issue I have with the origin, and I'll relate it to the other Disney Plus shows, we know who Wanda is, we know who Sam Wilson is, we know who Hawkeye is, we know who Loki is. People don't know who Moon Knight is because we haven't seen him before. This is the first time in TV that people have seen Moon Knight. E- even for people, even if we had seen him a little bit, like the, 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 the general audience, because of the uh, Avengers movies, they don't know who he is. So I was just more or less thinking about it in, again, a Stephen Grant way, because I'm Stephen Grant. I'm not because I, I'm like a, a, a Stephen Grant plus where I, I know a little bit more than Stephen. Um, well, I'll Stephen. I was just, yeah, that's, <laughs> I was just thinking about it in that way that like it, it, five episodes of a character we've never seen before g- giving an origin story just that late. And not that it's a bad thing. It's just that it's an interesting choice. And I, I like the way, the way you're talking about it makes sense, Aaron, because it makes sense in the story. Mm-hmm. Like in yeah. this episode, it makes a hundred percent sense why we're seeing it like this. Because of who's seeing it, because it's Mark and Steven in there together. It's not just Steven uh, seeing it, like Mark's in there with them. Like the way they're seeing it, 
it all makes a hundred complete hundred percent sense sense i was just more or less asking if it makes sense for the people who don't know like and and we've talked about this before there there's less moon knight again in this in this episode like there's 10 seconds maybe that much eight minutes no action yeah exactly so it's more or less like if we got this in episode three if they if they combined episode one and two if they got to the asylum and at the end of episode three so i guess it'd be an episode four so one episode before if they just got to it a little bit quicker i think And it, it it's all going to depend on the the final episode as well. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. If, if they if they stick the landing, it won't matter that we didn't see it as much. It won't matter that the origin mm. story took this long to get. I don't think it won't matter for me if they stick the landing, but that's you know that's yet to be determined. Yeah, that's the thing. Like even with this episode, you know, we see a little bit of Moon Knight, but for to me, at this point in time, you know, that was that that episode was my favorite episode so far, mm-hmm. just in terms of the character depth that was brought to it, performances. By <laughs> you gonna get that, Chris? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the character depth of like there were so many questions in terms of why Mark was acting the way he acted and why Stephen acted the way he acted, and they gave us the answers in terms of character, not plot. In terms of like we learnt more about their characters with this one, and that's why for this, you know, I like to I like to be emotionally involved when it will come to watching reading stories or watching stories and all that kind of thing, like get me something that I can semi relate to that I can feel something towards the character. So then if something was to happen, be it a jubilation or a, a real crushing moment, I can actually feel it. And I think this, this episode actually layered that more and more on top of it mm-hmm. for like, I was already enjoying Steven and I was enjoying Steven. There were little, little bits of Steven, you know, you had the quirky comedy of him and you hit the confusion of him, which is fine. But then there were other little bits when Conju needed him. Like, oh, I started feeling Stephen going, oh, they need his help. This episode really crushed me with Stephen. Like, I learned more. I felt so – I already felt kind of sorry for him, but this one I felt so sorry for him. Even though he's just a damn persona of Mark kind of thing. And what they laid on top of that for the character, for what we learned um, – yeah, I think I think it was great, but like we've all been saying right now, it's the it's the next episode of how they stick it because this this episode was so strong and so good. It's really the next episode of how they're going to stick it to whether it pay, it really pays off mm. for me. But yeah, characteristically, I thought it was great. So let's stick with the heavy, um, and I'm not even sure. I don't know if you guys can tell me, were you expecting this much heavy? So we do get some serious stuff in this episode. We get the, the dead bodies um, in the cafeteria. Like I love the dead bodies, by the way. Yeah, like 10, 20 dead bodies. So it's like they're playing checkers or something. I don't know. <laughs> one in a wheelchair. Um, and it's in yeah, a party. One in a wheelchair. He's at a party. It's like literally at a birthday party. You know the Ongo Boingo song, Dead Man's Party? There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we get. We get that heavy. We get um, the Jake stuff, which feels a little bit more real. Um, he wants to be more violent that we've seen in episode three, I believe. Um, but, you know, I don't I wasn't expecting. And this is something totally out of left field that I, I didn't even know that Mark Spector had a brother. Mm-hmm. So seeing this this scene and as soon as I saw him, 
I'm like, they're gonna kill him. Like this is <laughs> this is happening. I, like as soon as they go and that's, that's usually my thing. They're gonna kill the kid. That's usually I know. Why uh, sorry, covering poison. in that fish? You're poisoned. Oh, like he's me. dead. Um, no, we 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 haven't we haven't heard about him. Yeah, we haven't heard about an older um, uh, brother for Mark up until or at all. Yeah, younger brother. Um, it's just a younger brother. Sorry. So what I meant to say is an older than what he was in oh. the, in the, like, we don't see him at the same age as mm-hmm. Mark is now. Um, so I assumed right away. Okay. Like he, he's going to die somehow. Um, the, and I, th- this scene is very, very, very strong. So, and uh, what's happening in the real world is, uh, Mark and his brother, Roro Randall in the, in the comic books. And I believe it, uh, Chris says it's, it's said sometime in the episode, Mm-hmm. Um, they go into the, some caves. They're going, you know, you know, going for a walk in the caves, and it starts to rain, and it's starting to get flooded out. Stephen is there, trying to stop, uh, trying to help um, Mark and his brother. On the opposite side of that, Mark is locked out of this memory. He's in in the in the asylum, trying to stop Stephen from seeing this memory. So I, I like the duality of Stephen trying to stop Mark from doing what he's doing as a younger boy, and then Mark trying to stop Stephen. From trying to see what is happening, mm-hmm. and it's very strong in in the in the relationship between Mark and his brother, and Mark and Stephen, and how mm-hmm. brotherly Stephen and Mark are, um, how much Mark cares for Stephen. So I like that scene, and it's something I, I didn't pick up on until the second time I watch it, and they're both happening at the same time. Uh, I, I think I think it's outstanding. But so to go back a little bit to this this idea of of, of Randall Roro being introduced and him dying and Mark's mother um, and Mark's father and the the funeral Shiva scene and, and before we get to what happens in 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 the in the bedroom with Mark um, creating Stephen, let's just stick with the death scene and stick with the the traumatization that um, Mark's mother has and how she's inflicting that on to Mark and, and the storytelling of these, you know, these flashback scenes. Uh, Chris, how'd you feel about these scenes? Well, I'm going to say, I'll talk about that, but we need to make sure and talk about, go, we need to circle back to a brotherly thing because something hit me when you said that. But anyway, um, the scenes with Roro, you know, I, I know from the comics, there's a Randall Spector this is different from the Randall we know, mm-hmm. which this show has done a good job of making good changes. Because yeah. this Randall, to me, even though we the kid dies instantly, and let's let's be honest, doesn't have a chance. Yep. <laughs> he has a couple lines, my drawing, and then he's dead. So um <laughs> this version's better. And I think the traumatic stuff, it hits surprisingly hard. And I don't know how they accomplished this, considering we've never met the mother before this. What I think works, and this is, again, we praise Oscar Isaac all the time. Get that man an Emmy. Um, he, <laughs> his reactions are what sells these scenes, I think. Because, yes, what's happening that we're seeing is horrible. Roro dies in a, in a cave in Chicago. We'll get to that later. But... <laughs> Um, Roro dies and then the mother loses it and the little boy playing young um, young Mark I mean he's he's fine and all but it's it's Oscar Isaac's reactions that's what sell this and then when we get to that turning point where we see the switch there's little details that add to it and there's also some details that make you wonder is this even real hmm. 
there's a scale in yep. that room right next to little mark mm-hmm. right below the um was it tomb buster right below the tomb, tomb buster, buster poster so mm-hmm. and you know beforehand the the producers and whoever i think it was reviewers too this is the darkest thing marvel's ever done the mcu like mm-hmm. you've never seen it and i think up until this point we're like well this is kind of similar i mean we've seen stuff like this but this mm-hmm. episode has dead kids dead bodies <laughs> We got um, child abuse, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, this yeah. is the darkest episode, and I see what they meant when they said this is the darkest thing the MCU has done. Because I think I agree. I don't think we've seen the only thing that comes close to this. I think is the opening to Black Widow, and even just parts of it. Mm-hmm. Really, just when they land at the airport and they have to, they have that like training montage and all that. I think that's the only thing that compares as far as the dark and the trauma. Because this is some some dark stuff, and then it's even followed up. I don't know if you want to get into this yet, but when Mark is having that that moment on the street, that was a powerful moment. Yeah, Aaron, how how did you feel about the the heavy stuff, the 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 brother's death, the 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 mother's reaction, the father's reaction, and then yeah, mm-hmm. let's let and then carry it on to that. You know, Mark can't go in. He he can't he can't go into his mother's. Uh, funeral. He can't pay respect to his mother. He he physically, it looks like he can't do it. Obviously, he's drinking a lot. You know, I, I thought I really, and I'm sorry that I'm cutting you off before I even get you to start. No, go for it. I mean, we don't hear from you much. Go for it. But so I, I found it really interesting that Mark took off his his uh, yamaka or his, the the Jewish little cap that he wore, yeah, and he threw it on the ground and he kind of stomped it a little bit. And I, I I I don't know why that hit for me. It's uh, and I I don't know I don't know what what it would have to do with the Jewish faith. Um, and the mother and the father and the the funeral in some way. Yeah. But I got the sense that Mark is like ashamed and he's angry at at, at, at his faith because of his mother somehow. I, 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 did anybody else get that? Did anybody else get that sense about him? I just found it interesting. He took it off. He threw it on the ground and he's like stomped it with his hand. He could have done anything. He could have thrown the liquor bottle. He could have kicked a tire. But no, he took off his, you know, the yarmulke. I, I, did that? Did that? Get anybody else's attention? Uh, Aaron, go ahead. No, I was just saying, it's very, it was very symbolic. It was very symbolic yeah. um, um, action. So it, it does have a meaning behind it in terms of the actual mm-hmm. character and obviously his faith and all that kind of gear. So obviously there's a bit of a torn torn aspect between him and, and Judaism. So, yeah, I got I definitely got that same sort of feel. What about you, Chris? Yeah, and I, in the comics, it's something that he, he kind of struggles with too, I believe. Okay. And I've seen that some people were upset by this scene, um, and a couple other ones saying that they didn't show the Jewish his Jewish side strong enough. Um, I didn't really get that from. I, I think they made it pretty clear, you know. But that's just me. But I, I did get that sense from that particular scene that he was like rebelling or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Aaron, how did you feel about the the, the trauma in the episode? How did you feel about the death and the the mother and the, and everything. How'd you feel about it? <laughs> I felt great. I thought the whole thing was fantastic. It was entertaining. Roro died. I was like, yes, finally that little shit. No, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, well, it was coming from like a, uh, in terms of the realm of the DID, you know, it needed the, the DIDs in, in general, like obviously I'm no real actual hundred percent expert on it, but 
there needs a traumatic event for something to occur. So obviously something we knew it right at the start where we heard that we, we saw the cave and we heard the screams and all that kind of stuff put two and two together. So you've got this traumatic event that occurred and then you had um, Mark created Stephen in terms of for the happy place. That was his happy place. You know, that was something that was Mark. Stephen was good. He was clean. He was some, he created someone that was the opposite of him. So when they started going through all these rooms, it's it's kind of like um, when you got to re-experience childhood trauma, and um, which which did hit a little hard for me uh, on a personal level. So when you when you have childhood trauma and you need to relive it, um, most of the times you want to. So someone that doesn't have DID, you want to try and um, just you put you put up a shield. You put up a shield that you don't want to talk about. You're like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Um, I deal with it myself. Um, I put it down into, you know, my stomach, so no one, else, so I don't have to talk about it. And no one ever has to hear about it. But um, the difference is with Stephen and his DID. I mean, Mark and his DID. He created Stephen, and now that this person that he created the good now has to go and experience evil, and he. Um, and Stephen's obviously wanting answers as much as he can, and Mark doesn't want to allow that to happen. Mark's at the start, he's like, no, you know, how about I just tell you about it, okay? How about I just tell you about it? Um, we don't have to go and see it. And obviously if you start to tell someone about um, something that's that's traumatic, generally for me I don't go into the details. You know, you keep it light, you know. It's like, oh, this kind of occurred, nothing, nothing more, you know, nothing less, where – I couldn't imagine having to go and see it again, having to relive it again, and then having to actually relive it with a person that you created to be good, to be to 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 have the good side, and to be someone else that experiences like him. Like he said, you thought our mother, you know, was good. You thought she was great, where she wasn't. You know, um, so to. To have the DID aspect and so right at the start, like you were saying, Emmett, with the whole um, Stephen blocking out Mark and Mark's reaction and all that kind of stuff, it was literally the start of the avalanche, the characteristic avalanche that was about to explode upon obviously our screen, which had to occur because we had to learn about the character. But it was also painful to sit back and watch Mark actually have to go through it again mm -hmm. as well. And even when it came to mm -hmm. that last last bit of the mountain which was the worst of the worst with with the the childhood abuse um mark got to the point where he physically had to remove stephen he's like mm -hmm. you don't have to see this you don't need to see this you know i think mark just reached the point where you know this isn't going to happen um in terms of the actual comics itself like in terms of the actual uh, origin of the id it's actually completely different to what's in the comics from what I have read. Um, I think this is much better um, in terms of the development of the DID. I, it makes more sense than having your Nazi uncle sitting in a basement torturing people. <laughs> this one makes a bit more sense um, with what happened with Roro. Um, and for so for the character, it was a lot deeper and it was a deeper cut. And I 
it worked so well in a very traumatic sense for me in terms of the development of the DID. I, I, I think that the switch from the, um, you know, the original origin, I guess, of the ID to this version, this needs to be adapted even into the books because this adds another layer to Mark that we don't really have with Mark, I think. Because, you know, you look at the other versions, like, yeah, okay, I mean, it's bad, yes. It, I'm not saying it isn't. But this, like you said, is a deeper cut. And when Steven comes into the picture in the other version, they're just buddies. Yeah. yeah. Just comes he's out of nowhere. Right. He's not Steven's shield. Or a stress ball is what Steven calls himself. <laughs> he's not the stress <laughs> ball. So uh, I, I also prefer this version. Yeah, I thought it was powerful, and we'll get back. We'll do, do that brotherly thing, Chris. You want to mention, and you know, Aaron, you mentioned it. Mark doesn't want Stephen to see this stuff. Mark cares and and understands that Stephen is a an emotional, fragile person. Like he's not a tough mercenary. Um, you know, Stephen is. You know, he's just a regular guy, and Mark doesn't want his, him to see that. So Mark is protecting him. Um, and then we see at the end of the episode where Stephen gets thrown over the side of the boat, um, and he's kind of left to. I don't know, not die, but die basically. And he's frozen. And Mark leaning over the side of that boat, yelling and screaming. And I assume, like, if you try and picture what happened in those caves, I picture this kind of thing happened in those oh. caves where Mark is trying to save his brother and he can't. He physically can't do it. Like, there's nothing he could do. He's just a kid. He couldn't save his brother. That's fine. And then in this one, when Stephen falls overboard, Mark can't. He can't get off this boat. And so, Chris, the Mark protecting Stephen, Stephen and Mark being, you know, brothers. Uh, what's your sense on that? Do you remember when we kept when we were talking about the first episode? I think even to the second episode, you kept saying or asking, "Why does Mark care about the fish?" Yeah. Because of Roro's drawing. Roro mm -hmm. drew the fish with the one fin, so Stephen has a fish with one fin. Yeah. And Stephen's fish died. Mark replaced it for his brother. That that yep. hit me when you were talking about it. Mm -hmm. I was marinating all this time. So yeah. <laughs> the dots are connecting, even if they aren't real. I don't care. That's a cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that is a cool callback that you get when you you remember these things. It's even called um, isn't it called the goldfish problem or something? That's yeah. the name of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. This would be why it's like his brother. He created Stephen as a row row replacement, complete with. A, a a gimmick from the show they watched together. No, that I, I and that's a, it's a cool thing for sure. Like Stephen or Roe, um, you know, I don't want to say Mark replaced Roe with Stephen, no, no, no. but it, it it's almost like that. Roe likes goldfish, so Stephen likes goldfish. You know, I get mm -hmm. that. You know, that, that's the same thing. That and I agree with you now. The brotherly um, aspect to it. So fast forward to that to that boat, um, Aaron. What 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 were you thinking when Stephen's gone overboard and he's frozen or crystallized in some way um, did, <laughs> you went full and Elsa. Then, yeah and then and then you know the whole this whole while they're they're going on this journey mark and steven trying to um you know even the scales and we get an answer to that as well about what i think what arthur saw he saw those scales they didn't stop mm -hmm. they just they just just kept moving um, so exactly it's it, again it there there is these little dots that are c connecting slowly if, if you if you see them so the scales are now balanced with Stephen gone. We see at the end of that episode, Mark is in the field of reeds. He's there. Um, you know, Stephen, is Stephen gone? If we listen to um, someone like Arthur, 
like in the the real world sort of um, narrative, you know, the the whole point is to try and um, normalize, I guess, Mark as much as possible. So you have to try and all these, as much as we love the likes of Stephen and Jake, to make Mark better, he has to sort of remove them mm-hmm. from his psyche to become what well, I don't want to use the term, but I can't think of it like to, to normalize him, to, to make him um, fit into society a lot better. And uh, obviously that's what Arthur was trying to do when he was being the psych, you know, wanting to learn more, wanting Mark to talk to Stephen, to let, let, let everyone in just so they can all can, all these characteristics and personalities can combine to be one, which um very, I think it's, um, mentioned throughout the Lemire run as well, near the end as well. You have all those different, the three different personalities within mm-hmm. that. Um, so Stephen's sacrifice, um, as, as sad as, as it is, it's a very much a turning point for Mark to understand that he, that he has a lot, that's another loss that he has to take, but it's something that he has to grow from that, 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 point of his past the reason why Stephen was created the pain he has to realize and carry on his own and um he's at a point now where he doesn't need he, he he's at a point now where he doesn't need Stephen anymore in that sense in terms of protecting him from his mother because his mother is dead you know it, it's a painful thing to say and you know but it's one of those realization aspects whereas what Arthur's trying to get to is like you don't you don't need these people anymore. You're, you're, that, that pain that you're suffering through your past is no more and no longer. And that's how I kind of saw with that scene as well. Was, I don't know if it was a, a sacrifice in a sense. I think Stephen just tried to push the zombie off, but the zombie grabbed him and removed him off, that, off the ship altogether. Um, but I think that in terms of the character growth and being in the field of reads, I literally have no idea how he's going to return if he is going to return if that's a real world at all because don't forget he's he is in the office talking to arthur you know he is there you know but he's also in the field of reeds so depending on what narrative you're going to flow i have no idea about the egyptian mythology in that sense of resurrection um but that's how i saw the the Stephen sort of sacrifice in terms of the character growth of Mark moving forward. Chris, how'd you see it? Uh, is Stephen gone? The worm is dead. Um, <laughs> no, no, Stephen is not. I, I don't think Stephen's gone. I think that was a dramatic fake out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, because in truth, Stephen is just a part of Mark. Now I think Stephen is more integrated because mm-hmm. they bonded, the scales are balanced now. It's not chaos between the two. There's an acceptance between the two. You know, you're yeah. not Roro. You're not Stephen Grant. You are just mm-hmm. part of me. You are a side of me. Mm-hmm. And even Stephen, he realizes that himself when he stopped trying to steer the boat and said, if you can do it, I can do it. I can do and it. And then he yeah. does do it. And that actually gave me hope, like, Mr. Knight won't be a goofball. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, so Steven accepts it. And then there's that moment where Mark is looking at him right before Mark basically, you know, gets captured again or whatever you want to call it. And there's that moment where they have this kind of like unsaid, unspoken bonding moment 
where I think they kind of become one in a way. And then the the actual death just solidifies it. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't think Steven's going. I think they're just going to be uh, a different relationship with them coming. One that's not so much, give me the body, give me the body, give me the body. It's, okay, you do this, I'm going to do that. If you're talking about like a juxtaposing of the actual of the actual storyline itself, like that that merging as you're speaking of on the boat, that could obviously take place within that sort of real world conversation that he's having yes. with Arthur. In it a could. Sense. I so, think that's what so Arthur in, is trying to do. Yeah. So in theory, within the fields of reeds and the the, the Elsa moment, um, <laughs> in the real world, it's probably more of a mental connection in that sense, if they choose to play off of that scene and not the Fields of Reed scene, I guess, if it's more of a we, mental scene. I think we got to see both. To understand what's yeah. going on, I think we're going to have to see both because yep. both seem to exist in his head or in light. We don't know. So, I don't know. But I, I, that's what I think happened. I think that's why the scale's balanced because they came to terms with it. Now, how Jake would play into that, who knows? <laughs> But I, I I think that's what it is, and we will see Stephen again. But if we don't, that's hey, the thing. Call me when they when they said a balance. She's like it's balanced, you know. When they lost Stephen, but mm-hmm. they're, they're, yeah, but Jake's still there, you know. And I believe, I personally believe, we have seen him. So in Jake the real did. world, real world kind of setting in their cycle uh, setting, like Jake How did we was saw him there. before. Yeah. So he, he has been seen. So the, he's only lost in theory of the duo at one personality to balance the scale, but there well, is that third person in there. Well, it's possible though, that it's because Steven is the one that fights him. Jake is not a contender for give me the body. Jake is just, when they, they need it, he snaps into it. Okay. And they also don't have Jake's heart on the scale as well. It's the that two too. hearts. It's the, yeah. the, the, you know, and I like what you said, Chris, about this thing that um, Steven said, Oh, I can do this. We've been seeing him try to do it. In mm-hmm. every single episode, he's yeah. trying to be like Mark. He's trying to do it. He tried to do it in the uh, with the horses. You know, mm-hmm. he said, "I can do it all." He tried to tell everybody to stop, and he said, "Okay, take the body back." <laughs> and this is the final moment where he actually he has that you know that confidence that he's been pretending he has. Yeah, um, he actually has it now, and he, it, it's a shame he had it, <laughs> and because of it, he ended up you know he like you said, Aaron, he sacrificed himself unknowingly but i like i like that that's that's still coming around he didn't stop you know and, and steven didn't stop trying to be a person like mark and in a way what steven did here was a little bit better than when he tried before because there was no armor for steven yep. he didn't have a, the yeah. mr knight suit he was just steven on the do it with the hippo yeah just trying to help and mark it had it had the best steven scene of all guys is yeah. where he um, said it was uh, that's a six because he prefers cricket over baseball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So okay, right. the, and that's the, true. That's true. I'm sorry. It is. It, so some of <laughs> <laughs> Stephen's dialogue with Tarret and and just on that boat, <laughs> that was a sticking point for me. Now that we're talking about it, okay. Because like Stephen goes to Tarret and says. You see why well, we have to get back now? Please let us go back, ma'am. Mm. It's like you're asking a god to, to change your fate here. You're saying please. And then the god is like, well, okay, we'll see what we can do. It was just kind of weird. You know? Yeah. Um, not a bad thing, just kind of weird and, and speaks to the idea that maybe this isn't real. Uh, or, mm-hmm. I don't know. It is, it's just a weird thing. But I like it. 
And I like oh, the journey time? Mark had through this episode too. The what? The, Mar- the journey that Mark journey. had. Because he wanted to yeah. kill Tarek. He made that very clear yeah, so twice. Funny. Kill the hippo, the take the one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can just give me a rope. <laughs> but what's Tarek doing driving your anyway? If she's got a fertility. Would that be more of a. Yeah. And yeah, don't I? See? I like that when she says, oh, you're the smart one. Yeah. Steven. <laughs> I thought that was very fun. She realized that right away. This is the smart one. Anything you guys want to touch on for episode five before we look ahead a little bit? There is. So I don't want to say there's plot holes, but there's things that do not make sense now. One of them okay. being uh, Mark tells Steven, you had a happy life. You know, I wanted you to have a happy life and everything. But Stephen married Layla. Where I mean, Mark, Mark married, married Layla. Layla. So where was Stephen in that? What was supposed to happen with Stephen? And then the director of the episode or the show made a comment on Twitter that was very interesting because someone asked him something like um, something about that, like how did that marriage work? And then the director said, "You shouldn't trust an unreliable narrator." Mark so, would be the unreliable narrator. Or Stephen, I'm not sure. I guess it'll be Mark since he is the dominant, but that just kind of like we've already got an onion here. <laughs> We're adding more layers, sir. <laughs> Things are not matching up, and this one is kind of a thing because I don't understand how it how it works. And then, like, how often does Steven even show up? Yeah, that, and well, yeah, we see that where, and I asked Chris this, and Aaron, maybe you can ask this. So, Mark creates Steven just as his mother's knocking on the door. Okay, his mother comes in and he and he's Stephen, and his mother is beating him. And, but Steve, and then Mark says to him, "Oh, I created you. You had a happy life. Shouldn't Stephen know that his mother is a bad person because he was the one getting beat on? I didn't understand that. Did you? Did that you? too. Yeah, I didn't understand how Stephen didn't know that his mother was a bad person. We see that Mark or Stephen is calling her." He knows Stephen in his head knows that his mother is gone, but he's still calling her, trying not to accept that she that she is dead. But why doesn't Stephen know that he's getting beat on? Why doesn't Stephen know that his mother's a bad person? The only thing I can really think of is that we didn't see the switch back to Mark as she walked into the door, because right at that point, the, um, if right at that point, like the door was locked and Stephen started cleaning up the room, like this room, and then when the mum mm. bursts in, Mark removes Stephen from the room. So I can only think mm. that's sort of like a metaphor as well to what he did that we just never saw. That's how oh. I just took it because I had the same sort of question in my head when I first saw it and I spoke to the wife about it and she said the same sort of deal. She's like, it just like when Stephen, when Mark removes Stephen from the room physically, um, it's kind of metaphorically the same as the child. He quickly just steps back and protects Stephen to a certain extent. That makes more right. sense because I, I was also thinking like at first I was thinking maybe Mark blocks the memories of Stephen or can control what Stephen remembers, and, and then it only got messy when the mom died. That's what I was thinking. Okay, maybe that's what it is. But what you're saying it, makes a lot more sense. Because you're gonna remember like when when we've got back to the first episode, like Stephen has black spots of what's happening. He doesn't know what's happening. Like the the cars driving, and next minute is driving backwards and all that. So he doesn't fully remember everything, so of what's going on. So maybe it's just Mark picks and chooses what Stephen prior to that what Stephen 
prior to the, the chaotic nature of what was occurring in episode one, I guess Mark got to pick and choose what Stephen got to experience and what Stephen got to see, um, depending on, on the situation at hand. Is the only thing I can put it down to. But it's, re it's really much a, a time travel sort of question. You know, if we travel back in time and this happens, you know, it's, yeah, unless it's, it's, it's things you're going to have to try and put two and two into your head and kind of just let it go. Another Frozen reference. <laughs> I, think I have children. I have female kids. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> I, I think it, it might also be just one of those things we kind of just chalk up to, oh, it's a comic book thing. At the end I, of I, 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 I like Aaron. I think that sums it up for me. That was my big question from this mm -hmm. episode where I'm like, I didn't understand that. But then when you see that um, there's an older, younger Mark and he's leaving, he's leaving the house you know, he, and he's leaving because of his mother. So Mark knows what's happening. So maybe Mark was the one that was getting beat on. So I think that makes total sense. They, they could have definitely been a little more clear with it. They could have shown yeah. the, yeah. the oh, extra switch right. and that would have solved everything. Um, but for our headcanon right now, I think that makes perfect sense. I like it. Yeah, 100%. It, like it was, it was a bit clunky, like in terms of trying to get that narrative across. But um, it's one of these things you just had to try and make it up in your own mind, I guess. It's the adult part that bothers me more, though, because that's where I don't really understand how how he fits in, how Steven fits in. That That's kind of what, what I keep going back to, because, again, Mark married Layla. Where was Steven? Mm -hmm. like, did Steven did, have to be there? Well, that's the thing. Was he there? Or did Steven well, come back when the mother died? Sorry, they mentioned that in it. They mentioned that in it that it's been, I think, in the real timeline when the show starts, it's two been months. two months. Mm -hmm. So that it's been two months since Steven's been starting to come around. And I can't remember how long Layla has said that he hasn't been in touch with Mark. Remember, there, there's all months. those phone calls. She just said phone. months. So okay, maybe so there, she hasn't seen Steven yet because in we Mark and Layla haven't been together since Mark's mom died. So does well, that she was, when she was on the scooter, when she was on the scooter, she's like, "Why are you talking like that?" So she has no idea who Stephen was. Yeah. So does that maybe mean that he put Stephen away when he was a kid? Like, okay, we're done, Stephen. You stay in the back of my mind. But then the psychotic break happens, and now Stephen has returned and is a fully fledged adult. Yeah. It, I, as soon as Mark left home, there was no Stephen. Okay. Okay, that, that makes uh, more uh, sense. Uh, uh, talking it out now, that's what I think. There was no Stephen until the mom died, until that moment on the street, street or maybe yeah. a little bit before that. That's when Stephen started to come back around again. Well, that's that, what Mark that's says, doesn't he? He goes, that's the part where we started to merge. Right. He goes, this is right. where we started to merge. And that was because I think Stephen, if you have a look at that scene and that brilliant scene by Oscar Isaac, he is in so much pain to the yeah. point, you know, He's just in, he's just a broken man. And that's when I think he was probably at his weakest, I guess you could say. And Mark was at his weakest that Stephen came back. He's like, oh, oh, hi. Oh, hi, mum. Because maybe it's, it's coming back to being, I guess, a mother figure. You know, a boy wants his mum, you know. Roro you know, sure and and um, yeah, Roro needed his mum. But he, didn't, he never bad. had a mother growing up. So in the sense, his mum, every birthday his mum would just berate him and obviously yeah. smack him. And, you know, he never had that, that mum. And then when obviously she passed, um, I guess is that pain of the final link of, I'll never be able to, you know, get her back. I'll never be able to get that mother back that I always wanted. 
So, and I guess that's where that pain was there. And he goes, how do I, how do I want to guess relive my mother and being positive on all that? Stephen comes back and Stephen obviously believes that mum's still alive at that point and calls her and leaves messages and um, yep, don't know where I am. Hmm. So just to kind of keep that, the, the positive mum alive, I guess. But once she's dead, it's kind of like a finality to that character and to Mark's feelings towards her. I guess I, I think that the the realizing when Stephen and Mark, uh, or when Stephen started to come around, I think like we mentioned with the initial switch with who was getting abused by the mother, I think it could have been a little more more clear because yeah. when Stephen yeah. comes on the street, he tells his mom on the phone, "Oh, I've done it again. It's happened again." Yeah. So it has at oh, some yeah. point. Yeah. Stephen has yeah. at some point woken up. Yeah. So it, it, they could have been a little bit more clear about where Stephen has been before the mom died and what happened in that like that's a whole that's a whole episode is the mark and layla stuff and we get no layla stuff in this entire episode no and and i think that this is the fault of it being six episodes yeah because i think you know nobody wants to see origins anymore it we're done although these are totally really cool but even then (laughs) this is a puzzle piece that we could have used because now it's a question we all have and I mean, it's good that we could talk it out here, and I have a better understanding now of at least the childhood stuff and some of the adult stuff, but then there's still the question, because he does say, it's happened again. Where am I? <laughs> you know? And then... So, I, I don't know. It's kind of a... I guess it's an unanswered question, but I think it, headcanon, I'm just going to think of Stephen. When Mark left, Stephen left. When Mark had the break, Stephen came back. And that's just Stephen talking. Hey, it happened again. Mm-hmm. Well, he's talking that's to nobody, so he can say well, that yeah. too. <laughs> right, he, he could say, that's, "Hey, that's I'm, I'm Batman. It doesn't matter." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Poor guy. That's the other thing that that's the other thing that kind of confused me. Like when um Stephen came and goes, "Oh, I've done it again. Don't know where I am." I'm like, "You don't know where you live," kind of thing. Like even though, like young Stephen well, appeared in the room, kind of thing. Like he was. Maybe I'm he never left the room. In the same house. He might have never left the room. Yes, sir. Also, he mentions people are driving the other side of the road. He thinks he's from London. Correct. Actually, that's another weird thing. How would he know that? He should be in London working at the museum, right? But he wakes up in Chicago. You know, some things just... (laughs) Seriously, there's a guy in a wheelchair. Okay, so the guy in the wheelchair that Mark is killed. Roro was playing in the room of corpses. Yeah. Roro was just hanging out, waiting. Hey, where's my brother? I guess he's not British. Hey, where's my brother? I my drawing that I made with the wheelchair guy. We were coloring together. We need Zeddy on to do a good Chicago accent for us for the for the kid. We need yeah Zeddy or any yeah, of the Mr. Thirty Nine guys. Mr. Mr. C. C. Perfect. Perfect. They can also explain if there's caves in Chicago. Because that's what yeah, I kept I wondering. I've been to Chicago. I don't remember seeing a cave to drown in. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe the guys know. So uh, this is uh, – it's actually nice. This is probably the first time that we're actually – I don't know what to say we're picking it apart, but we're mm-hmm. finding little things in this episode. And I think it's because they tried to do so much in this episode. There's yes. a lot of stuff in this episode. Um, so again, we've talked about this, if, if episode six, if it ties some more things together, like, and that's what they've been doing. They've been tying little things back together here and there. We are getting those pieces. So we may get more pieces. So 
You know, guys, there's one episode left. They have a lot to do. Um, I think it's really interesting that for um, a few episodes, it was all about Arthur Harrow killing people and bringing back, you know, Amit and all that kind of stuff. And now we've spent um, half an episode in this episode without any big bad, big, you know, the world coming to an end kind of thing. We're all all in on Mark um, and his um, his disorder and his family and his uh, his personalities, all that kind of stuff. So are we going to get more of the, the end of the world stuff? Are we going to get Moon Knight? Are we going to get battles? You know, where do you guys see, see episode six going? <laughs> I have no idea. I know what I want to happen, but I have no idea. And I've said this, I'm concerned about the finale. I have not been concerned about this series since we watched the first episode. And I was like, okay, this is good. They, they've done it. This is cool. We're on a good train here. But now there's so much to wrap up. Because even if you think of it in a linear fashion, okay, like, like what we're seeing is what we're seeing. Mark has to get out of the field of reeds, get back to the land of the living. He has to break out Khonshu, who is in the, a pyramid somewhere, not where he is, not where his body would be. So he has to release Khonshu. He has to find Harrow, stop Harrow and Amit, and probably res- rescue Layla in the process because it seemed like she was in trouble last we saw her. Mm-hmm. And and then even, this is another thing that I just remembered. Mark mentions Crowley. How does Mark know Crowley? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, that just hit me. <laughs> How does he know who Crowley is? Um, but anyway, so they, they should explain that too. Let's Let's get that one in there too. So they have so much to wrap up. And that's just if you go by the idea that he is actually in the field of reeds. Mm-hmm. that's not the concept that maybe he's in the asylum or maybe he's in both places. Who knows? There's just so much to pack. And they, it's, uh, it's been rumored that the episode is 45 minutes long. That's Whoa. not a, that is not a lot of time. And we've seen how these MCU finales work so far with the series. Yeah. I, I love WandaVision. That finale was a mess to me. It was just a big CGI battle. You know, the only cool thing about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale was Sam's entrance as Cap, which is one of the mm-hmm. best superhero entrances we've ever seen on film. Hands down, I think. And there's just a lot of other stuff like with the finale. So I'm just curious how it's going to wrap up. Yeah, and they have to uh, somehow deal with this third personality that they've been teasing too. Um, for for And for the people who don't know about this third personality with only these small teases... Uh, I, I, I don't know how they're going to add that into it as well. Because adding in a third personality with a name, I think would be very difficult as well. Like, oh, here's the third one. And his name's Jake. Hi. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I like don't know. Hi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just Mark and Steven screaming again. Um, so, Aaron, how are you feeling about going into episode six? You don't have to tell me what you need or what your expectations are, but where do you think this is going to be going? I'm so nervous. I'm so scared. I'm the same with Chris. I'm on exactly the same boat now. Because exactly what Chris was saying, I was going to just be back on him. But I'm like, no, no, no. I let him go. Um, <laughs> with um, I was the same with WandaVision. WandaVision, it feels very much, this show feels very much like WandaVision. Like the first yeah. few episodes, like this is really good, really creative. Something You're giving me something different. So please keep giving me something different. And then it just kind of flips to this CGI boss battle. 
like it's kind of like the it's kind of like at near the end the creators like oh my that's right we're creating a superhero show so we've got to have a superhero battle kind of thing and it's like well no you didn't because you created this really strong character story strong narrative you could have finished it a different way and that's what has me nervous for for this one um i sit just like um anubis i'm on a scale right Hmm. now where they're either going to with the 45 minutes because every episode i think i put it on twitter it has been very condensed very precise in their storytelling so i'm hoping that um this story is the same and that wraps it up in a very neat and creative way that 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 really um that really everything they've done leading up to it I can't think of the word. I'm sorry, but uh, you know, it all it all fits nicely into a bow, mm. and it's like cool. It's very, and I know I've seen um, Muhammad Yab actually say, you know, I, we think we've given him the ending that this story yeah. um, deserves, and all this kind of stuff, which gives me hope. But there's the other side of me where it's kind of like, well, we haven't seen too much of Moon Knight. How about we just get him escape in the first ten minutes? We dress him up as Moon Knight, and we have this big CGI boss battle fight. I can do which. One which kind of like, yeah, well, like a WandaVision. It's like, oh, like Harrow appears and he's like, I am now Arbet and oh, we're going to fight to death and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, you know, if you give me a Lemire ending, I'll be very happy with that. You know, give me that sort of Lemire ending. You know, I am Mark Spector. I am Jake Buckley. You know, I, you know, we are Moon Knight and we do not need you. Like talking to like Conchu kind of thing and it's kind of like and at the end it's like him suiting up going i'm ready now i know who i am i know who i need to be kind of thing um that's a very like a you've given me basically what i'm trying to say is that marvel mr feige you've given me muhammad diab you've given me this whole character story it's a very character based story and now I want you to wrap it up in a very character way. Don't wrap it up in a very plot-driven, action-heavy way. Give me something that's going to wrap everything up, that I can feel that in the end, that if season two is never going to get made, I am still content with what you've given me and not you're not going to give me something where I'm going to go, for fuck's sake, I need answers to why Jake's here. I need answers to why this. Why did all this bloody happen? I don't care about Moonlight fighting Arthur with a crocodile head on. You know, I need answers to all these other bloody things. So that's where I'm kind of at. I'm very scared. I'm very nervous. And where, when I saw the runtime, like people went on Twitter going, oh, it's about 42 minutes long. I'm like, oh, dear Lord. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know where I – yeah, very, very much on a scale right now of where I'm leaning. I don't know. Don't know. Emmett, what do you think? I, I don't have the nervous like you guys are having because I think of how connected you guys are to the Moon Knight character. Um, I have no idea. Like Chris started his off, he said he has no idea. I have no idea how, you know, Mark's going to get over, get out of, you know, the field of reeds if he's in them. I don't know how the, how you get Stephen back. As Towerett says, like you're in there, that's it, you're done. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it. And I, I, I hope kind of what you're saying though, Aaron, is they wrap it up a little quicker. They get through these, you know, the the asylum stuff pretty quick, and we don't dwell on that um, for a long time, and then not leave enough time for a battle of some kind, which would, I, I, as I'm thinking about it, having Ethan Hawke or, or Arthur Harrow suited up in some way would also be incredibly strange because of what we've seen mm. with him so far. He's walking, talking, eating lentil soup. 
And now we're expecting him to be throwing punches and, you know, being an avatar, which we know he has been in the past, but we haven't seen it. Um, I I wonder if there would have been a a, a spot in here somewhere for a little bit of Arthur Harrow's more backstory a little bit. Was he a Moon Knight? Was he dressed in in the same garb and all that kind of stuff? So I I guess I am a little bit nervous just because we're doing this and it would really suck by um, this time next week if we were all sitting here saying – Man, that was upsetting. Or man, that is the mark, you know. Because everything up until this point, we found um, we found a lot of enjoyment in all the, the uh, small and big changes that the series has made to the Moon Knight character. Um, I think what you said, Aaron, though, if ending it in there's so much Lemire in this season, trying to figure out how they're going to end it based on how Lemire ended his 14 issue run. Um, I think that's probably a good way of doing it. I think they are. He is gonna. You know, we don't need you, can't you, uh, Chris? As much as that'll hurt you, uh, <laughs> can't you? You love him, um, but you know they, they've, they've made they, they've made can't you out to be a, a villain. You know, Stephen says it. You've he's manipulated you from from the start, um, and, and we see in episode three where uh, he still can't you does do a, a a brave thing, but still, I think. You know, Mark and Steven are balanced. They're going to be balanced together. I don't think they're going to need um, that Conchu thing anymore. But I don't know where how, you know, what happens with Layla. Do her and Mark stay together? You know, does she go with Steven somehow? There's so many questions and, and so many things that I can't even think about to ask. Um, and stuff that we talked about that just came up as we were talking about it and how it all works and doesn't make sense. And they, it's a tall tale. And if they only have 42 minutes, which is, I think, would be the shortest episode of the season. I think the first one was the shortest, wasn't it? Okay. I think I was close to like 35 minutes. Maybe I'm wrong. No, that's It felt pretty short. Mm-hmm. Maybe just so, I, I, I was hoping it would be an hour and a half, hour 25. Yeah. Um, I was up at least an hour. Yeah. At least. Because there's, there's just a lot. Even if, like I said, you know, by the most simplest route there's still a lot to do here and i do yeah. want to see moon knight do some stuff like can we get 10 minutes mm-hmm. of moon knight that's the thing there's got to be there like i and i think we, and we've said it if, if the episode six doesn't have things then i it for me it will hurt the, the previous five as well because mm-hmm. i will say the same thing why wasn't there moon knight in this moon knight show um i i will say that for sure so and Aaron, a man who mentions the suit every single time he can talk about it. If we don't, if he doesn't see the Moon Knight suit, um, I'm sure it'll upset him too. <laughs> that's a, that's see, that's the problem. Like the first four episodes, they they have this one narrative, and then the fifth episode, they've literally created a whole new narrative. Yeah. And now they so want to try and yeah, yeah. Then now they want to try and like close all that up within 42 minutes, like mm-hmm. one narrative and then another one. You know, we've got we've got, and let's not forget, the the first four the first four episodes were very linear in terms of them going to Egypt and the Scarab and mm. blah, blah 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 blah. Yeah. And this this one that's just gone, they've given you this whole field of reads one, but they've also given you this other one where it's just sitting in an office talking to Arthur Harrow. So yeah. in theory, we've got three. Well, no, we've got yeah, two different narratives. Three, I guess. Like you got the whole Arthur Harrow out in the real world. Got a that we've got to figure out that Arthur Harrow. We've got to figure out the field of reads. And then we've got to figure out what the hell this whole other section that we've just got introduced to in episode five. What's going on there, kind of thing. And you've got all these 
things in 42 minutes to wrap up and you got Layla on top of that and you've you got bloody Jake in there somewhere as well and then we've got more Moon Knight which I'd love to see you know give me the suit you know <laughs> give me the, let him let him suit up I'd love to see it you know because I love seeing that suit There's so much and what if he gets a different suit at the end like what if they do that I am Mark Spector I am all of, you know I am everybody I am yeah. the world I am Moon Knight and what if he has a like a real suit instead of a symbiotic suit hmm. that would be an interesting twist yeah, less bandages, you mean, too? And more of like a... a more like a... Pulls it on over his head? Yeah, like more of a hood. It's a sleeker suit. Yeah. Maybe it's a black and white one. Um, mm. Just something, like a, just a real suit. And no glowing eyes because, you know, he's human. See? We're, we're <laughs> a, I like the glowing eyes. I do, too, but I, <laughs> um, he didn't have, like, it, like let's say they tell off Khonshu, which I am firmly against. We need Khonshu in our lives. But if he does... He won't have the the official armor and everything, so he'd just be, you know, Mark Spector, mercenary, running around in a suit. Um, Chris, you probably just want to, like, I don't know, go see to your dog or something in two seconds. I just want to talk to Emmett because um, <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna like this, mate. You're not gonna like this. Um, <laughs> right now, right now, okay. So right now, you have Mark, and the reason why he was Moon Knight was to protect Layla. Right now, at this point in time, he doesn't want Layla to become Moon Knight because that's what Conchu was threatening. Yeah, Conchie's threatening. I oh, will take Layla if you do not do what I tell you to. Yeah, right now Conchie's locked up. Conchie can't do a damn thing. He's locked up. So right now, this is perfect for Mark. He doesn't have to bring Conchie back. She's gone. You know. So Mark, if he can unite all together and then stop Arthur Harrow as who he he wants to be, as maybe Moon Knight and all that. Um, you might not have to bring back Honshu altogether because that actually serves Mark better than anything else. You're right. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. Uh, <laughs> 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 what do you think, Emmett? Uh, I don't know. I think we're going to have to wait and see. I think it's, it's I, I think I'm excited to, to see it and, uh, I don't know where they're going. Uh, like we've been saying, there's a lot to wrap up. Um, and I can't wait to talk about it with you guys next week. So that's Moon Nighting um, this week, guys. Aaron, let everyone know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron Cajanto, if you don't know how to spell that. I, like I said, I leech off for of Chris and Emmett so, and, go to, and Gathering of the Geeks. So just go and look on their followers and you'll see me. You guys can follow me at that Chris Evans zero on Twitter. Um, but as always, I prefer you guys follow the podcast, which is Geo the Geeks on Twitter. Emmett knows the, the rest of the fun stuff. And you can follow me at Emmett Davis seven on Twitter. And like Chris said, Gathering of the Geeks is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Gathering of the Geeks and you will find us. Guys, we will be back again next week to wrap it all up. And saying all that, for Chris, for Aaron, I'm Emmett and we gather on Sundays. Later, Gators. Thank <laughs> you.